gave a fair warning. Y'all said, okay. So you had the opportunity then to, 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 to stop. But I, here's the thing about it, though. It's not so much my personality or whatever, but I want you to look like Jesus and resemble Jesus and to matter to you what matters to him. Amen? And it's okay to worship and praise the Lord. Well, we, we've been through the fire, all of us to some degree, some more than others, but as a nation, as a church, as families and friends and individuals, we've all experienced great difficulty, great challenges, and through it all, oh, Andre used to sing it. Marty, that's your boy right there. Andre, you loved Andre. Andre said, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. Amen. God is good. You can open your Bible with me if you would today. The Exodus 14, and it's going to be a little bit different today because I, we got to have a little bit of a family meeting. You know, I explained to y'all in my house the difference between a family meeting and a come-to-Jesus meeting. We have both of those. And the girls know family meetings, we're going to talk, we're going to love on one another, we're going to encourage one another, we're going to help one another. But come to Jesus meeting, somebody's going to bleed, right? Somebody's getting hurt. Nah. So no come to Jesus meeting. That's all a joke too. So my girls are older now, you can't call DHR on me. Or maybe, well, maybe you could, but I, but I guarantee you if they'd have been around when I was growing up, I would have been one of their clients. But anyhow, I tell you right now, some reason I don't know, but oh, it's a whole different story. I'm having flashbacks, but anyhow, um, Exodus 14. I want to share with you some things, but I also want to talk to you as a church family about kind of, you know, not just we're going to do like Tony Evans says. We're going to take a little quick glance at where we're being. We're going to glance in the rearview mirror for just a minute or two, but we're going to gaze in the windshield. We're not going to put our gaze on where we've been. We're going to put our gaze on where we're going. But in order to have good perspective, we put it in context of where we've been and we always look to the scriptures. I'm talking to you today about standing on the edge of revival because I really believe that's where we are. Now, I know we're still traveling through Psalm 119, but I'm going to ask you to help me. The Lord has kind of directed my heart for this Sunday, next Sunday, our first Sunday, May and Mother's Day. I'm going to take a little four-week diversion here, talk to the family about some things, and then, Lord willing, the Sunday after Mother's Day, we'll go back and begin finishing those last five stanzas is all we got left of that wonderful chapter but I as a pastor you learn to be sensitive to the voice of God as he directs you through this pilgrim land and by doing that there are times you have to say okay there's some things to talk about so where we are let's take for a minute where we've been March 15 2020 the service we had when things the wheels were coming off if you would so to speak in America uh, we had been uh, placed under the fact that we had a global pandemic on March 11th March 15th we meet we began to explain to the church we're going to make some very drastic programming decisions and all this kind of stuff and we were going to have to go online two to three weeks well, the two to three weeks, I mean, if you remember, and this is so humbling to me because God really took us from where we are and he forced us to grow really fast, not just in the area of technology, but really in our dependence on him. So on March 15th, we think by March 29th, maybe the first Sunday in April would be our last Sunday and we'd be back by Easter. 
you know the story didn't happen nine weeks we were completely online we were able to come back for a short spell there and we had two other two week shutdowns due to uh, infections and things like that and so 13 weeks we were completely online in 2020 something I never thought I would ever experience as a pastor would be having to come to the people and saying we're going to have to close the doors because it's in the best interest of everybody and, and I believe we did the right thing I really do and even though we have taken a lot of steps trying to work through this thing and begin to reopen prior to the vaccine now that the vaccine is more readily available that's helping us tremendously uh, so anyhow as we worked through the end of 2020 got into 2021 we noticed we had the Thanksgiving and Christmas and we had January was really tough thankfully we did not have to close anymore and have not had to close any in 2021 and I pray that we don't but I've learned very clearly how to be prepared to do what you have to do when you have to do based on the information you got in front of you at that moment the information we had on March 15 2020 was very elementary compared to the amount of information we have today but moving forward we have continued to have our socially distanced services and I appreciate you as a church family from the bottom of my heart for your willingness to adapt willingness to do what it takes and we're still going to be in a process of that moving forward from today I'm so appreciative of our Sunday school teachers so appreciative of our technology guys I mean we've even got a clock there now that'll keep me from running over and you know do you know how much attention I pay to that? Absolutely none. But anyhow, we, we have it there, and it makes Steve feel better. But uh, no, uh, but the point is, these guys, Tim, Steve, all you guys, you, you deacons, guys, they came in here and learned how to be sanitizers overnight. Uh, you guys who helped us get the disinfectants and the things when they were very hard to come by and helped us learn how to mix the stuff and how to modify the sprayers so that it would spray quickly and dry fast and not mess up anybody's we just really have had a total team effort and I am so thankful so I want you to know how grateful I am so when we sing through the fire it's emotional to me because I still have a singe of uh, flames and smell of smoke or something I mean I'll tell you I have been through that with you but coming to this point, um, thankfully, I believe we're at a stage where we can take a next step in moving forward. In doing so, we're looking to reopen our Sunday school ministries. Anybody excited about that? I love Sunday school, don't you? Amen. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of those scheduling things, and then I'm going to take the word, and I just want to walk through a little passage with you that you're very familiar with, but I want it to speak to your heart. So Sunday school, here's... And the reason I didn't put out anything this week was because I know how easy it is to get confused because I do it all the time, right? None of y'all do, but I do. And uh, we have worked on this, Brother Robbie, our Sunday school director, and we spend a lot, well, there's the, the board down in the, um, uh, the, the uh, conference room has all the notes and all the things we're making, getting ready and putting things together to restart Sunday school. And it was just a blessing to be able to do that. A lot of things going. But our plan going forward is, is two weeks from today, our schedule is going to modify. Now, next week, it'll be just like this week, okay? Your Sunday school lesson will be online. 
and we'll meet at 9 or 10.30, your choice. But we want to reopen Sunday school, and I want to talk to you not only about reopening, but kind of where they're going to be meeting, what our teachers have told us who have been in contact with their class. I tell you, you guys have just been phenomenal. But beginning on May 2nd, which is two weeks from today, we plan to reopen Sunday school at 9 a.m. So the 9 a.m. service will actually be Sunday school. It won't be a 9 a.m. service, but it'll be a 10 a.m. service. We're going to try to bring everybody together, if at all possible. We've been running at about 60 65% maybe of what we were running before the pandemic divided into two services. So we're going to try, and here's my hope, my, here's my real hope, that God would so capture our hearts and so get us intentional. And on May 2nd, I cannot encourage you enough to make sure you're in that service, okay? Go see Mama on May 9th, but May 2nd, you really need to be here because we're going to be sharing something with you that God's really burned in my heart about helping us become intentional about sharing our faith and inviting people to come to Christ and be a part of his church. My prayer is that through the movement of our intentional walk with God and sharing our faith, that I'll have to come back to this platform soon and say, hey, we've got to make another change. That change is we're going to keep Sunday school. We're just going to put it in the middle, and we're going to have to add some more worship time because there's not enough room for the people. You know, when Jesus gets in the house, it gets kind of crowded. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but y'all know my, my Mark II, about the, the paralytic man. When it was told that Jesus was in the house, there was people everywhere. And I believe if you really, old country preacher told me years ago, he says, son, if you'll just go down that church and build a fire, he said, people come get warm by it. So that's what we're going to work on doing. So let me back up. This week and next week, same schedule, 9 and 10.30. Beginning May 2nd, 9 a.m. Sunday school, 10 a.m. worship, okay? Now, it's not because I'm tired. It's not because I don't want to preach twice. I'll preach 10 times on Sunday if the people come and need to hear the gospel. Do you hear me? So it's not about that. But we're going to do this moving into the summer to see how we... Now, this is myself in consultation with Sunday school, and we had deacons meeting last week. And can I tell you this? I am so blessed by the support and the prayers and the encouragement that I receive from our deacon body. I just want to tell you how much that means to me. It's a blessing my wife shaking her head because she knows what it's like to be on the other side of that. So we are so thankful for you. We've not always had that. We have had that. But I'm telling you here, you guys have tremendously blessed me, encouraged me, and said, you know, Pastor, you blaze a trail. We're with you. But also, I'm a team player. Y'all understand? I don't always have all the answers. I enjoy uh talking with people who have a heart for God and God's people and learn from them too. So we've learned from each other and it's been a wonderful thing. So moving into Sunday school on May 2nd, a couple said, well, where are we going to be? I mean, all that kind of stuff. Well, some of you will be in the classroom where you came from and if you have any questions on that, on May 2nd, we're going to be at both doors and if anybody's wondering, where's my class? We're welcome center front door. We're going to help you, so don't panic. We want you in Sunday school. You need that small group. Our children in preschool will still be on the second floor in the children's department directly behind the worship center in the back. So we'll help you get there on, um, on that day when, when we're ready. So they'll be in the place that they always are. Students will be in the cave, the youth center in the basement where they normally meet. Now adults, all adults will meet in the regular classroom except there are two classes, our adult co-ed that Brother Robbie teaches, if Brother Robbie's your teacher, or our men's class that Brother Ray teaches, if Ray's your teacher, 
then your class is going to meet in the fellowship hall. It's going to be a larger group to spread out a little bit. So you'll be in the fellowship hall. All of our other adult classes will meet where they normally do. Now let me say this. As I told you, we will constantly evaluate where we are week to week. It won't be like, well, we're just going to get in a rut and see what happens. I heard about this guy who was traveling in Alaska. Uh, and in Alaska, you know, there's a lot of frozen places up there. <laughs> and here's what the, the road sign. Around here we see road signs that tell the speed limit, yield, which means absolutely nothing to most people, right? I, yield means nothing. Stop don't mean much, but yield means nothing. It's kind of like the yellow light. It doesn't mean slow down. It means guess it, right? But anyhow, in Alaska, they have this sign on some of those roads. It says, choose your ruts wisely, for you will be in it for the next 200 miles. Can you imagine just being on a frozen road, picking your rut, and just taking go the, wind, the steering wheel and just going where the rut takes you? That's not the way we're doing ministry, Okay. We're not getting in a rut, just seeing where the rut takes us. We're following the light of the gospel. And as we do so, we're going to ask you to help us. Amen. So we're going to be working through that. So that's our plan moving forward for Sunday school and worship two weeks from today. So do remember that, and I'll repeat it in the next service. There'll be a letter in your mailbox sometime this week. Go out one day this week. Your social media is going to be updated. Our website's going to be updated. We'll do some video stuff to keep you abreast and reminded. And at any time, as we've told you, anything changes, you know we're going to come to you just as quickly as we can and let you know uh, exactly what's going on. Also, don't forget our other method of communication is calling post. Calling post will send out these uh, text and uh voice reminders beginning next week so that won't go out this week that'll be next week so that's how we intend on communicating with you about the future as we move forward and I don't know about you but I'm very excited I really am I'm excited about what God is doing and I really believe that if we really get intentional about sharing encouraging and inviting we'll have to come back up here soon and say there's so many people coming there's so many people getting saved there's so many lives being changed that we, we're just going to have to do something else to make room for the people. And I don't know about you, but I believe I do. But I do know that regardless of what it takes, I know this what God's put in my heart, do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do whatever it takes, okay? So that's where we're going. Exodus chapter 14, I want to share just a little bit with you about um, from the scripture because I believe the scripture speaks to where we are no matter where we are in our life we can always find help hope encouragement and direction from the scripture so in Exodus chapter 14 you know the story uh, set the stage for you oh Moses he's done went before Pharaoh and he done told him to let his people go and he's leading the people out of Egyptian bondage uh, you know I don't know about you but the quarantine word I'm not real easy to tie down are y'all I'm not real easy to put on Alan's laughing like he knows something. Anyhow, I'm not really easy to tie down. It's kind of weird. I said this the other day. The loudest amen I've gotten since I've been in Cleveland County was at the county fair Wednesday night. And all I did was pray. But before the prayer, I walked up and I was going to pray at the beginning of the service. And then over to my left shoulder was my elementary principal, Mr. Rudy Payne, your classmate, brother. Now, I, I love it. He's been my friend for many years, but when I was a little elementary kid, I was hard to tie down. 
And so I confessed my, oh, I said, you know, Mr. Payne here was my elementary principal and I was really a straight up heathen. And he goes, amen. <laughs> so I got the loudest amen I ever got from a Methodist church. But anyway, I just want y'all to know that, all right? <laughs> but well, it's a lot of fun. But I don't, the quarantine, I'm not really good time down. My wife will tell you in the early days of the quarantine deal, you know, I was really like a fish out of water because I couldn't go do what I've been doing for all these years. I couldn't do ministry. I couldn't uh, carry on different things. I was having to do like y'all. And, you know, I like home. I like going home. But I also like to be able to go from home. You know, don't y'all like to get and go? So it wasn't total bondage like what the folks that uh, that uh, Moses is leading here but they were in total bondage so they get to a place in their journey and it looks like it's impossible I don't know about you but in the early days when this thing first started and we had very little information and we didn't know what was going and we didn't know how things were going to go from here there was a lot of fear that really tried to creep into my heart and I bet it tried to creep into yours too what are we going to do? How are we going to get there? What are we going to do? But here's what Moses had to understand. He had brought the people to a place where they could no longer turn back. Can I tell you, that's where we are today. We are at the point, no return. We can't turn back. We can't go back. Joshua led them across the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3, and he said, boys, when you get to the other side, there's no going back. That's what happened here. So notice what the scripture says with me, if you would. Just have your Bible open there on your lap, and we'll just walk through a few verses here. Let's read verse 13 through 16. It says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I like that, don't you? He said, Which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand, over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the privilege that you've given me today to stand before these people. God, with your word in my hand, uh, God, as I read its truth and declare its truth, I pray you'd be honored today. I thank you for what we've been a part of thus far. I thank you for keeping us safe thus far. And I'm trusting your grace will lead us safely home. Use us today for your glory is my most humble prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, it's an Old Testament picture. It's an Old Testament story, but it's something that really happened. Amen? You know, there are people, you wouldn't believe this, but there are people today who believe that the story that I just read to you is just a fable, that it really didn't happen. It is a made-up story that sounds good. Well, friend, I am convinced that all Scripture is God-breathed. I am Convinced that it's given by the inspiration of God and that it's profitable. It's profitable for you and I today. And I believe that that inspiration 
is from the very first word, in the beginning, God, to the very last words, lo, I am with you always. I just want you to know that as he says, I am Alpha and Omega at the end, those things and everywhere in between is completely inspired. These are not made up stories. These are things that actually happened. These are people who actually lived and they're people just like you and I who went through difficult, difficult circumstances, raging storms in their life, and God used every storm, every tribulation, and every trial to promote them and propel them forward. He did that here, and we're going to see that. And I want to say this to you. Even though this is an Old Testament story, it has a very clear 21st century application. We're all going to get to the edge sometimes and wonder what's next. Right now, I believe, and I've talked with a few pastor friends of more than a few, that I have tried to encourage them, and they've encouraged me because we've all been walking through this thing together not knowing what's next. But I just got to believe that if God has brought us some, through something so terrible, there must be something real awesome just on the other side. These folks had been in Egyptian bondage, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, that was worse. I mean, during my quarantine, I still had some Cheetos. <laughs> Amen? I mean, if I wanted to, I could go get me some Cheetos, and I could uh, get me an RC Cola and a Moon Pie. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was terrible as far as that was concerned. It made me uncomfortable, and it took me way out of my comfort zone, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it wasn't bondage to the degree these these folks were in total complete bondage enslavement to Pharaoh so here they are and we're going to walk through together and see what happens when you stand on the edge of revival and listen there's some things that can keep revival from coming to the church and there are some things that can ensure that it does come and we're going to talk about both okay I don't know about you but I don't want to get in the way I don't want to be any the thing that inhibits the flow of the Spirit of God and the movement of God among His people. I want to be someone who helps and encourages and just looks to see what God wants to do next. So let's walk through together, if you would. Back up a little bit there in verse 8. Notice what the Scripture says. It says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Look at verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and army, and overtook them by camping by the side of Pilhethroth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. When we're standing on the edge of revival, there's some things we need to do and there's some things we don't need to do. And here's something that we need to make sure that we never forget is that the opposition that is in front of you, that is before you, is never greater than the power that resides within you. Now, this is Old Testament. We realize this is before the indwelling of the Spirit of God that took place on the day of Pentecost. But think how much more this ought to mean to us in the church age. Uh, of knowing, look here, they knew and they believed in Moses. Look here, he had a word from God. And ladies and gentlemen, when the man of God gets a word from God, there's little you can do to stop him from accomplishing the will of God. Amen? 
So here's what he's doing. He's going forward and the people are following and they got afraid and when they did, they began to cry out to the Lord. So as we realize that the opposition before us should never be greater than the power within us, which it can't be, we also can look at verses 8 through 10 and realize that if we're to see revival, we must never fear the presence of the enemy. The enemy is always around us. He's always present. He's always looking and lurking for opportunities to try to discourage us, dismay us, and even look to defeat us. But we should never fear the presence of the enemy. Why? Because greater is he. Amen? It's just what I tell my children all the time. And my children were raised in a pastor's home. I've got five weeks left with the first one. I've got ten left with the second one. And in ten weeks, my world is going to change more than it ever has at one time. So i got that length of time. But I've always told them this. When you know the truth, you don't have to be afraid of a lie. Amen? So they're worried about, everybody's worried about what children may be taught, whether it's at school, whether it's in college. And I really tried to work on my children hard about creationism and believing that the Word of God is true because there's a lot of young people that are raised in Bible-believing churches that go to secular universities and the first thing they do is they put you in Biology 101. And I'm telling you, it will challenge everything you've ever been taught about creationism. It won't dispel it. It can't take it away. But they will try to get you to believe anything other than the Genesis account of creation. Ladies and gentlemen, the longer I live in this world, the more I'm convinced. Well, if there's a watchmaker, there's a world maker. Somebody says, how'd that Grand Canyon get there? Well, God dug it out with his pinky. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) They can't understand that. But what I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, is is when you know who lives within you, you don't have to be afraid of who's hanging out around you. Amen? So the opposition before us never greater than the power within us. We never fear the presence of the enemy. Even though the children of Israel were afraid, you will be afraid from time to time. There is encouragement from the Word of God that you don't have to be. There's something else we need to know. We never, never need to consider returning to your comfort zone to avoid the possibility of failure. Look look in verse 11 and 12. Then they said to Moses, look here, Moses is their leader. They're afraid. They cry out to the Lord, and then they want to talk to Moses. Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? (laughs) Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we were told of you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. What they wanting to do? They wanting to go back to Pharaoh's house and live in bondage. Can you believe that? I don't know if you've heard this around here, but I've heard it a time or two that there is no growth in the comfort zone. And there is no comfort in the growth zone. Amen? I don't know if you've heard that before or not, but if you hadn't, maybe it's your first time. I don't know. I want to remind you. But these folks, look here. God has delivered them. God is leading them with an appointed person that he placed to lead them. God is doing everything for them. And yet, when, when they cried out to the Lord, then they turned to Moses and said, look here. You just brought us out here to kill us all, didn't you? (laughs) 
You just brought us out here to watch us die. We told you before we left that we should just stay there and serve the Egyptians. It wasn't that bad after all. But what were they doing when they were in bondage? Somebody get me out. This is what I've come to see, and it's true of a lot of churches, and I've seen it. They say, God, send us a leader. Send us somebody with conviction. Send us with somebody who will get us moving forward. We need change. We need this. We need that. And God sends a leader. God sends an agent of change. And they say, whoop, didn't want it like that. Amen? It is. And what I believe, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, is you have to decide if that's what you really want, then you have to submit to how the Lord does it, not how you want it done. Because you know what? There's so many times in my journey I would have picked other ways of doing things. But listen here. <laughs> According to the Word of God, when I came to Jesus and confessed my sins and became his child and he became my Lord and my Savior, I want you to know I no longer am able to live for me. I've been bought with a price. I believe some of you today forgot that you've been bought. <laughs> I believe you forgot what price was paid. I believe you forgot that what Paul said in Colossians that when you came to him, your life is hidden in Christ. We've forgotten what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we've been bought with a price and we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit which are God's. We're not our own. We're for his glory. God help us. But what do we do sometimes? Oh, preacher, no, we can't do this. Oh, preacher, we can't do that. It might make me uncomfortable. And, and you know what? I just And I hear people say this all the time. I just want to keep our little old country church. Do you know what will eventually happen? If you quit reaching people with the gospel and you quit being intentional about sharing your faith, one day there will be nobody left. Ooh. Do y'all know it does not give me joy to tell you that? It brings me a lot of it brings me a lot of fear. But can I tell you, if I don't tell you, then I gotta answer to him for it. I'd much rather answer to y'all than him. I'll just tell you right now, much rather. The Israelites were willing to die in the wilderness. They were willing to do whatever it took. Let me just say this to you. This is very illustrative of a lot of churches in America today. Let me remind you, COVID has caused us all to have to change. If we were resistant to change before, oh my, we had no choice. See, the reason many are willing to remain in their comfort zones because they are afraid to fail. I read David Jeremiah this week, a little something I'd highlighted from his book, Forward, which again, I want to encourage everybody to read that book. It's the latest book, Forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, just like a basketball position, right? <laughs> but here's what David Jeremiah said. He said it takes zero courage to stay in a rut. <laughs> zero Zero courage, nada. Zero courage to stay in the right, a rut. And, but then he said this, it takes grit. It takes spunk. And might I add, it takes a whole lot of God to rouse yourself up enough to climb out of that rut and move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe today what we need more than anything else in the world is a group of people who will just believe that God is true and nothing else matters. I told Glenn this morning, it was 35 years ago this week, this Sunday, 
April the 13th, 1986, first time I ever stood in the pulpit at Edwardsville Baptist Church, and I said, you know what, the, you know what, Glenn? I didn't know nothing. I was scared slapped to death. But I did know this, that there was one God who was real, alive, and sovereign. I did know that he had one son, and he gave that one son to buy and redeem the, the sins of the world. And I said, you know what? That's all I knew, and that was enough. You know what I'm doing 35 years later? I'm telling the world there's one sovereign God. He gave his one and only son. They killed him. They buried him. He got up from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. You know what? It's still enough. <laughs> but it only took me seven minutes that day. <laughs> hey, you preach a seven-minute sermon now. Every church in the county wants to call you as their pastor. <laughs> I was passing in Georgia we were pretty close to a very popular Mexican restaurant and on Sunday they had Mexico Buffet right and that was a pretty popular little thing in Bremen, Georgia and I had this man one to me one time and said time I got there last Sunday there wasn't hardly nothing left we're going to have to get there early because I, I mean, I got to get me some of them tamales. They said the Methodists are beating us there. What's wrong with you, preacher? No, 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 hear me. It didn't take me but seven minutes that day. It takes me a little longer now, but I'll just tell you why it takes me a little longer. It's not because I know anymore because I don't. It's not because I'm any smarter because I'm not. I'm sure not prettier and I got a whole lot less hair. But I tell you the one reason is because I just can't get over what he did for me. I can't get over. You know why Moses was willing to stand at the Red Sea? Why was he willing to stand on the edge of revival and trust God despite his difficulties? I tell you why he was able to do that. Because he had already been barefooted at the burning bush. Maybe today the reason we stand at the edge of revival and will not move forward because of the obstacles in front of us and the fear and all the things ahead, maybe it's because we hadn't got barefooted before the burning bush yet. Maybe it's because God hadn't got our full attention yet. And I don't know what else he's going to have to do, and I'm afraid to ask him. Aren't you? I'm afraid to say, God, you know, what's the Lord going to have to do to get America's attention? I don't want to ask him. I want you to know something ladies and gentlemen he has something better for us than a stimulus package someday he's going to send a rescue package <laughs> I read this morning I told the guys this morning I read this morning where it's, it's been said that if you'll donate blood you can save the lives of three people and that's good that's good but there's one man donated his blood and it saved the entire world amen Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today, he's going to send a rescue package one of these days. We won't have to fear anymore, but between now and then, as we stand on the edge of revival, listen to me, I am so ready to see God move among his people. I'm so ready for God to do a work that can only be explained as that he showed up, not that the preacher showed up or the music was good or anything else, but that God just so showed up among his people and he so moved that a radical movement happened. Not, not just a, a, a whitewashing, but Folks getting washed white, amen? God help us. Never let the opposition in front of you 
be greater than the power that's within you. If you're going to be at the edge of revival, you've got to make that decision. You're going to trust the one who lives in you regardless of the cost. Now notice the second thing with me. This gets personal right here. Never allow the murmuring around you. It must never be louder than the voice of God as he speaks to you. Wait a minute. Did they have some Baptist folks at that gathering? Oh, yeah. Look at verse 13 again. Moses said, do not be afraid. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They're saying, you brought us out here to die. You brought us out here just dying to worth. We should have stayed in Egypt. And he, just what I read earlier, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know what he's saying? Just be still. Just be patient. God is about to show you something. <laughs> he said, this is what he's going to accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you're not ever going to see them again. That's the Brent Thompson translation right there. You're not ever going to see these old boys again, right? The Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. The murmurers, we should have just stayed back. Look what we've done. I've told y'all before. They'll say this about preachers sometimes. You better be careful. And I'm sure it's said of me, and that's okay. I want it to be said of me because if it's not being said of me, I'm not doing much. Better be careful where them, that preacher leads you out on a limb. But you always remember, help me, church. That's where the fruit's at. You can't get the fruit. You can't. Look here. Of course, except when I was growing up around my granddaddy in the apple tree, I never will forget. We couldn't pick one off the tree. No, no, no. You get them off the ground, boy. Remember that? But granddad, they got worms in them. It's all right. Just dig it out with your finger and eat the rest of it. I mean, you don't pick my good apples. You eat the leftover. Now, see, the Lord ain't like that, right? You go out on a limb, you get the good fruit. You can't hug the tree trunk the rest of your days and expect to be obedient to the voice of God. You've got to be willing to go out there where there's a possibility of vulnerability and maybe even failure. But look here. <laughs> it's not what happened. He said, look, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to learn how to get still. The Israelites had turned to murmuring and complaining because all they could see was the Red Sea in front of them. All they could see was the certainty of death, and they blamed Moses for their circumstances. How dare us to trust Moses? I really believe this, and I wrote this down. For a church to become everything God wants it to be, there will be many times that we will have to stand against an impossible task. For us to experience revival, and we look out there and all we see is the waves and the wind and the storms of the Red Sea, but yet we don't look and see the sovereign Savior who can lead us safely to the other side. Friend, I want you to know it will cause us the loss of tremendous blessing on this side. But God tells his people, even in the book of Psalms 46.10, that we are to be still and know that he is God. I really believe if we'll stand still in his power, we'll realize that in every situation that he is God. Then there's something else there in verse 14. He teaches us to hold fast to the promise. Do you believe the promises of God? Amen? Do you believe that this book that I hold in my right hand is filled with many, many, many promises? Do you believe that he has kept every single one of them? Absolutely. 
Do you believe that he will continue to keep them? Yes, because if he broke a promise, he would be a liar and he would cease to be God. That's just not going to happen. See, the true devotion and surrender of Moses to the people he was leading was being put to the test. Do you know sometimes for the pastor, for the leader, the one who is leading change and bring, praying for God to bring revival, he gets put to the test sometimes even by his own people. <laughs> y'all wouldn't do that. It's not y'all, it's all them other people, right? But listen, it's important we understand that because this is a, prom this is a promise that I wrestled with. I bet you've wrestled with it at times in your journey. When God was really stirring my heart to come home to Cleveland County, I really stirred. But you know why? Because I was coming to blaze a trail. I wasn't coming to keep the status quo. I wasn't coming to just say, let's just keep doing things like we've always done them and pray for different results, which is the definition of insanity in the first place. But here's what God taught me to just hold fast to his promise. Trust him with everything and leave the results to him. That's what it's all about. He, just go preach my word and love my people and leave the results up to me. You know what? That's been such a freeing thing to know that it's all in his hand. Then I want you to notice with me finally today. Never allow the darkness behind you to dim the light in front of you. And Moses has told him, look here, God's fixing to show up. He's fixing to show out. The Lord's untold Moses, look, you, you, you go and you lift up your rod. I'm fixing to send these boys and girls across on dry ground. Didn't make much sense, but look what happened for all that to take place. Look at verse 19. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and gave light by night to the other. You know what this means? He will show up with the light even in the night. <laughs> well, why did he do this? So that... The one did not come near the other all that night. What did he do? He provided supernatural protection for them. If Pharaoh's army could have seen they were right there, you know what they would have been? There's a Greek word for that. Crispy critters. <laughs> I mean, they would have been, they would have been nothing. They would have been no match for the Egyptian army. But God showed up. Let me just say this to you. There are going to be times in your journey where God is going to show up in supernatural ways. He's going to provide supernatural protection and you may not even know what he's doing. <laughs> hey, that's so amazing. He's done that so many times for all of us and I'm sure uh, for you. Here's what the cloud did. It provided a shield between God's people and Pharaoh's army and it gave them the opportunity to make preparation for God to show himself strong. And friend, I want to tell you how we can do that on the edge of revival here. Here's the way we're going to prepare my heart and your heart and this church's heart for God to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think is there's going to have to be preparation in the prayer closet. 
there's going to have to be people praying through and grabbing a hold of the horns of the altar saying God I'm going to draw a circle around my feet and I want you to get the old boy the old girl inside this circle right with you I'm not here to talk about what somebody else did or didn't do I'm not here to throw rocks I'm not here to make fun I'm not here to make accusation I'm not here to do anything other than completely submit myself totally and completely to your lordship and pray for repentance for the old boy or the old girl inside this circle and when I get that right you help me go help others amen that's how we prepare but he also created a very unnatural pathway <laughs> when I think back my 35 years I think about how many times he created paths that if I would have made the path it wouldn't have turned out right I think about the times he protected me the times he showed up for me I think about all of these things and how he has directed our steps you know I made a statement last week and it's a couple of people re repeated it to me this week that mean, you know what that, that helps a preacher I want you to know this is when you say back to the preacher what God has had the preacher say to you and I said this to you the psalmist said Lord direct my steps and I said to you that what he was saying was is as I ask you to direct my steps I have every intention of doing what you say and going where you lead and I said to you and I read and I thought it was really good that the psalmist is really teaching us that if we don't have any intention of doing what God said we have no right to ask him to direct our steps now I know that, that right there that's a hard pill to swallow right there amen but isn't it true uh, it's really true because if we really want to direct our steps what happens if he says go right and we want to go left what happens if he says go forward and we want to stay behind what happens if we are like the uh, 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 Moses' people the children of Israel what if we're like them saying we should have just we should have just stayed back it's an unnatural path he created dry ground in the middle of the Red Sea it, it makes no sense does it it doesn't seem impossible but can I say this to you whatever seems impossible to you and I is always possible when God gets in the matter you know I'm afraid today the reason a lot of people don't experience revival is because God's really not welcome in their heart in their home and in their church you know the rest of the story of how God led them across but I want to tell you if you really want to have a hallelujah time just read on to chapter 15 is that something about the word of God you'll say I'm going to be a good boy this year I'm going to read me a chapter a day a chapter a day keep the devil away you know <laughs> but then you read chapter 14 and you go that's pretty awesome Got dry ground red sea and then drowned Pharaoh's army drowned them everyone all of his chairs when Moses had done said you're not going to see them anymore I'm sure they thought they've always been here they'll always be around they'll always be antagonizing us we're always going to have trouble they're about to kill us all we should have stayed over unless we'd had some Cheetos for lunch no he said you ain't going to see them anymore and guess what it happened in chapter 15 they just had church let me just read you a few verses here. Y'all got time? Okay, good. Glad you did, okay? 
says Moses and the children of Israel sang to the Lord. This meant they got happy. There's people, I don't know about that clapping in church. It's just not very reverent. It's not very reverent. Are you kidding me? If you don't like clapping and singing and shouting, boy, heaven is going to be a miserable place for you if you make it. Huh? <laughs> Here's what they said. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he's thrown into the sea. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Boy, that's just good stuff. I don't know about y'all but I'm ready to celebrate and I'm ready to see God do tremendous things exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think and then just celebrate some more well, let me tell you what it's going to take it's going to take you and I we're sitting up here on the edge of revival it's going to take us having enough grit enough gumption and enough God to get up and say I will no longer live in the rut because that is a place of zero courage zero conviction and it accomplishes zero but I will get up and then I will bow down and I will give glory to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will submit my life by drawing that circle around my feet. Church, look here. Here's your pastor for your day. I've drawn the circle around my feet this week. Me and Mo had a little prayer meeting just yesterday. Drew the circle around my feet. I said, Mo, come on, you get in this circle with me because you need to get right. I said, if God could get the old boy in this circle really right with him, what might he do with this church? What revival might come to this city? Ladies and gentlemen, I stood at a funeral service Tuesday afternoon, packed house. I saw a funeral procession like I've never been a part of in my 35 years. I seen more police cars ambulances and state patrol fire trucks something else and as I sat still you know when you shut down Rammer and you've done something as I sat still in the road there on Highway 46 waiting for proceed on to the graveside I thought you know this is really really nice it's honoring wonderful thing but then my mind started thinking about the other side because that's where I'm going this is temporary okay I'm going to a place where there's not a graveyard a hospital or a funeral home amen and I thought about what is the reception line is going to be like in glory use my sanctified imagination for a minute maybe you thought there's a happy meeting all the precious loved ones who've gone on from below and I got to thinking about all the people that I love that are there 
And I thought about all the people I want to see again. And I thought about all the people that I want to take with me. But then I thought about Jesus. Because he's what's going to make heaven heaven. Church, today is a day that I want to encourage you to get with God. Draw that circle. Get right with God. And let's trust him to take us from the edge of revival into the very midst of revival the blessing and the glory that all belong to him pray with, pray with me Father in Jesus name Lord you know our hearts you know our needs you know where we're lacking you know Father where we need your divine intervention Lord at this invitation time I don't know the hearts of your people. I don't know the hearts of the folks that I stand before, but Lord, I am confident you do. Would you do what only you can do at this time? Oh God, would you speak clearly and God, would we hear obediently. And Lord, would you help somebody today? Because Lord, that's my heartbeat. Draw that circle around their feet. Say, God, get me right so I can help others be right. Father, I believe today that you want to do a tremendous work. I believe that you want to do things, Father, that are far beyond our comprehension. Now today I pray it beginning us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand at our feet all across the house. Here's the invitation today. Whatever you need from the Lord, I know he is ready, willing, and able to receive you you feel comfortable today and you, you come find a place get with the Lord if you need to make a decision about your salvation or if you're a Christian and you want to make a decision about your obedience and your service to the Lord we invite you to come Marty leads us sing when you're ready brother I hear the Savior say thy strength indeed is small out of weakness, watch and praise, right? Find in me thine all in all. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Oh, to him I owe. 